Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you and good morning. Great to be here today. Um, I love coming to this church and I don't consider myself to be a guest. I consider myself to be a friend of this house and so I really enjoy coming here. One of the things that I love about this church is um, you have this, this thing about coffee. Uh, by the time I got from the, the, the car out the front to Pastor Joe's office, I was asked by five different people, would you like coffee? So this is either a really friendly, hospitable church or you're all addicts. Uh, I'm not sure. So, but wouldn't it be great to have a latte or a, ca- or a cappuccino halfway through the sermon? You know, like gold class, where someone comes around and gives you a coffee. All those in favour? Okay, who'd like a latte, say about 15 minutes? <laughs> okay, this is a naughty church. <laughs> I like it. Uh, as, as Pastor Joe mentioned, uh, my primary role is, is to lead this agency where we have missionaries in 70 countries uh, working among what we call the unreached people groups of the world. And it's a, a very exciting role and I really appreciate this church uh, supporting our people because often missionaries are seen as invisible people doing an invisible work in, in invisible countries. But they're real people doing a real work for God. And you may never go to those countries, but through your partnership and through your giving and prayer, you are making a difference in parts of the world where the gospel has never been before. So I want to say a heartfelt thank you for that uh, this morning. Okay, I'm going to come to the message because time is tight. You've started these multiple meetings and your pastor's Italian, so he may have some cousins, so I need to get off on time or I don't know what will happen to me uh, at the end. So I, I want to turn your attention to this, this scripture up here as a starting point, which is the, the book of 1 Kings chapter 3, verse number 5. And it reads like this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. I want to ask you today, if the Lord was to appear to you and say, You could have anything that you want, what would you ask for? I think the reality is that all of us here today have desires, and for some people they are good, they are wholesome, they are healthy desires. But for other people you've got bad or selfish or inconsequential desires. But in this message today, I want to talk to you about how we can cultivate spiritual desires. And one of the passages that really speaks to us about that is the one found in Mark 10, verses 46 and 52. So the title of my message today is Cultivating Spiritual Desires. But as you begin to study the Scripture, you will know that there are many different desires that are described in Scripture. And I just want to just briefly mention some of the desires I am not speaking about today. Firstly, you have what the Bible calls the desires of the flesh, which are the natural impulses and urges and desires and drives that we have as human beings. And all of us realize that as Christians, we've got these two natures that are at war. We've got the spirit that wants to please God and the spirit that gives us desires for God. But we've also got our human nature, which has desires contrary uh, to the desires of God. And they are at war. But today, I don't want to speak about the desires of the flesh. 
Then in Scripture, you have a thing called the desires of the world. And it says in 1 John 2, verse number 17, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. And John articulates what the desires of the world are, craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and a pride in our achievements or the possessions that, that we have. He said those are the desires of the world. He said, but those things are passing away. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. But I'm not speaking today about the desires of the world. Also in Scripture, you have selfish desires or the desires of self, where it's all about me, me, me. I want this and I, I, I want that. But according to Galatians 2, verse number 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ now lives inside of me. And we've got to realize that when we gave our life to Jesus, we surrendered our rights over to him. We relinquished our rights to him. He now is sitting in the throne or at the center of our lives. And the Christian life is not about you it's about him and what he wants us to do. And so we must not give in to selfish desires. But today, I am not talking about the desires of self. The Bible also speaks about the evil desires of youth. Uh, in 2, 2 Timothy 2, verse number 22, it says, Flee, flee the evil desires of youth. If we just give in to every natural impulse and desire that we have, it will lead to loose words, loose living, loose morals. But Paul says here, flee those things, but pursue, go after, be passionate for righteousness, faith and love and peace, along with all those who call on the name of the Lord. But today I'm not talking about the evil desires of youth, nor am I speaking about inconsequential desires, those things that have no eternal value. For example, I like nice cars. And on the screen is, is a picture of my favorite car, James Bond's car, Aston Martin. I love them. But I realize that when you're in a faith-based ministry, I'm in completely the wrong profession to ever have a car like that. I have a desire, but I realize it's never going to come to pass. I'm in a, just in a different world. Also, another desire I have is this one up here. I am a passionate, long-suffering, please don't boo me, Tigers supporter. Uh, but at the end of last year, there was this possessed team that beat them in the preliminary final. And even though I have a desire for them to win every week, sometimes they do not. I have no control over that. But today, you'll be pleased to know I'm not speaking about those desires either. What I'm talking about today are those uh, positive spiritual, godly desires that lead us to Christ-likeness and maturity and increased faith and vision and building the local church and growing the kingdom and our destiny becoming a, a, a reality. And so I want to draw some, some principles from the scripture that I'm about to read today to see what we can apply to our lives about how to cultivate good and godly desires. And I'm going to read from Mark 10, from verse number 46. It reads like this. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And so they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let me just briefly tell, tell the story, then we'll draw out what, what, what it means for us here today. So in verse number 46, Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. And as always, Jesus is surrounded by a large crowd. And the hustle and the bustle attracts the attention of a blind beggar called Bartimaeus. In verse number 47, maybe he inquires or someone tells him that all the commotion is about a man called Jesus of Nazareth. Evidently, Bartimaeus has heard about Jesus. He's heard that wherever Jesus go, blind eyes are open, deaf ears are open, the lame are walking, the dead are being raised, and there was something in him that awoke. And so he began to call out, Oh, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. But in verse number 48, the, the noisy beggar did not attract any sympathy from the crowd at all. They did not admire his attempts to try and get the attention of the miracle worker. And the crowd told him, pull your head in, shut up. But I love this. There must have been something Aussie about Bartimaeus because he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And in verse number 49, something about the beggar's cry, maybe his acknowledgement that Jesus was the Messiah because he called him the son of David, or maybe it was his cry for mercy impacted Jesus and the Lord stopped in his tracks and asked Bartimaeus to come over to him. And the crowd, the fickle crowd, suddenly changed their attitude. Oh, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. So in verse number 50, Bartimaeus walks unaided, over, over to Jesus. And in verse number 51, Jesus asks him this intriguing question. Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? And before we look at Bartimaeus' reply to that question, we come to the first principle we learn from Bartimaeus about how we can cultivate good and godly desires. Number one is this, we've got to overcome the barriers. Number one, overcome the barriers. I want you to notice some, some of the barriers that Bartimaeus had to overcome before he ever asked Jesus for anything. He firstly had to ask, he had to overcome the barrier of his lifelong condition. Verse number 46 says, he was a blind man and probably this is the way that he always had been. He had had this condition for so long, but here's the point. The way that he was, was not an impediment for his desire. He knew that Jesus could intervene in his life. He knew that Jesus could transform his life. And despite how things were, his lifelong condition, he desired something greater. And desire fuels the reality that there is something greater in God than what we are experiencing right now. 
But what I've found is that many people don't have desires because they become so, um, so anesthetized by the circumstances that they're going through. This is how I've always been. This is how I'll always be. This is how things have always have, are in my life. This is how they always will be as well. But Bartimaeus had to overcome the barrier of the condition he'd had all of his life. He also had to overcome the barrier of his position. For it says here that he was sitting by the roadside begging. And in all likelihood, this was the only dimension or perspective of life that he had ever known. On the roadside begging. But where he was, was not an impediment to his desire from the Lord. He knew that Jesus could intervene in his life and transform his life, and he called out for something greater. Our desires fuel the reality that there is somewhere greater than when we, where we are right now. And what I love about Bartimaeus is he was not cocooned by how other people saw him. Other people just said, well, you're blind? And you're a beggar. This is your lot in life. This is your destiny. This is how things are for you. But Bartimaeus knew that Jesus was a miracle worker. That Jesus could intervene in his life. And despite his condition and despite his position, he desired for something greater. He had to overcome the barrier of how things were and where he were all of his life. He then had to overcome the barrier of people misunderstanding him, people trying to curb his enthusiasm, people trying to water down his desire. Verse number 48 says, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. It was like the crowd were saying to him, Can't you see what you are? You've always been like that. How many times have you prayed before and God has never answered your prayer? Stop being so emotional. Just calm down. Stop making such wild assumptions that Jesus would have time for you. Shut up, Bartimaeus. God hasn't got time for you. Or maybe it was like Joseph and his brothers go that, that said, Oh, here comes that dreamer. But what we learn from Bartimaeus is this. Our desires must never be quenched by negative, small-minded people who cannot understand what is in our heart and do not understand what we're going through and have no understanding of what is going on in our life at the moment. But despite all of the negative voices around him, the persuasive voices around him, Bartimaeus desired a miracle in his life. And there are some people, probably in your life as well, who are just negative, who will tell you all the human reasons why what you're asking for can never come to pass. You may have heard the saying that some people are so narrow-minded they can look through a keyhole with both eyes. I want to be very careful who I listen to. I want to be very careful about the people that I allow speak into my life. He had to overcome the barrier of the negative voices. He also had to overcome the barrier of passive faith of what I call intellectual faith. Verse number 47 says, When he heard that it was Jesus, he began to shout. After they told him off, it says, He shouted all the more. Bartimaeus must have been tempted to reason. Well, I've heard that this Jesus of Nazareth does amazing miracles. I've heard that he does astonishing things. And if he wants to heal me, he, know, he knows where I am. You know, he can come over and heal me. There would have been a temptation 
as he sat there, knowing that Jesus could heal him, could transform his circumstances, there would have been a very persuasive temptation to just sit, knowing Jesus could change his life, and say, say nothing, and just go, well, okay, Sarah, Sarah, what will be, will be, Jesus knows where I live. And so many Christians want, need, breakthrough. And they want Jesus to do some, something in their lives. But they're so passive. They have an intellectual faith that says, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I believe that Jesus is healer. Yes, I believe that Jesus is provider. Yes, I believe that Jesus is deliverer. Yes, I believe that Jesus can do amazing things. It's, it's intellectual. But what we need to do is have a faith like Bartimaeus that says, not just Jesus can but Jesus will and I believe him and I trust in him and I depend upon him so he called out all the more I want to encourage you today to stop praying little prayers but pray prayers that are worthy of the greatness and the glory of our great God I want to encourage you today to eradicate the word just from your vocabulary of prayer uh, you hear people pray, oh Lord, we just pray for this and we just pray for that. As if we're imposing upon God, as if God has got limited power. May we remember today that when Jesus, as our great high priest, went into the heavenly tabernacle, he made a way where there was no way. He opened a door where there was no door so that now we can come with boldness and confidence before the most holy place. Therefore, I want to encourage you today, get rid of the word Jesus just out of the way that you pray and begin to pray bold prayers, audacious prayers, prayers consistent with, with the Word of God and call upon Him. Bartimaeus did not just have an intellectual faith, just hearing that Jesus could heal. There was a faith in him that said, I need you, Jesus, to do something inside of my life. Maybe today there are some people that you know in your family, who are away from Jesus and need Jesus. Maybe today you need intervention in your life, in your circumstances, your finance or a relationship. Maybe today you need a healing inside of your body. I want to encourage you today, learn from Bartimaeus and overcome the barriers. No matter what the evidence says, he overcame that condition. He overcame where he had been all of his life. He overcame all the negative voices around him. And he overcame just having a passive faith I encourage you to do what he did and call upon him then in verse number 49 something powerful happens after Bartimaeus called out have mercy upon me twice it says there Jesus stopped oh, that's so powerful Jesus stopped I want to ask you today do your prayers stop the Lord is there something so heartfelt, so compelling, so desperate that it stops the Lord? It gets the attention of God. And what we learn from Bartimaeus here is that our desires must never be half-hearted or passionless or adopting the attitude, oh, well, if God wants to do something, he knows where I live. On the contrary, what we need to do today is lift our voice and let there be a sense of desperation and passion and compelling in our heart. Desire never just sits back passively, but by its very nature, it wants, it craves, it wants something greater 
greater than what we're seeing at the moment. Maybe you've got a burden for your high school. Maybe you've got a burden for a nation of the world. Maybe you need intervention inside of your life. I'm calling out to you today not to be passive, but overcome, the, uh, overcome those barriers in Jesus' name. So Jesus stopped. And this leads me to the second principle we learned from Bartimaeus about how we can cultivate spiritual desires, and that is be specific in prayer. Be specific in prayer. So I want you for a moment to picture the scene. Here is Jesus. There's a large crowd all around the narrow streets of Jericho. And here is Bartimaeus who's walked up to Jesus. And Jesus asked him the question, what do you want me to do for you. And when you first read that, it's like, well, isn't it obvious, Jesus, the guy is blind? Of course it was. So why did Jesus ask the question, what do you want me to do for you? And it is because he wanted Bartimaeus to articulate or express his faith. What's really intriguing about this is that God doesn't just give us what he sees that we need, And God doesn't just give us what we need. He gives us what we ask for in believing prayer. He gives us what we ask for in believing prayer. See, Bartimaeus could have said, Lord, I need some money because all of these people walk past me every day. They're used to me. They don't give me anything. He could have said, Lord, I've got this weathered, ragged uh, cloak that I'm lying on every day. I need a new cloak to sit on. But no, Bartimaeus wanted something only Jesus could do. He wanted divine intervention inside of his life. And so he called out specifically and said, Rabbi... I want to see. Lord, Rabbi, there's a part of me that's not working. I'm not bearing fruit. I'm not all that I could be in you. I want my vision back. I want to see. I need divine, miraculous intervention inside of my life. And what we learn from him here is we have got to be very specific about the things that we are hungering for God for. I want to ask you today, what do you want? And I'm not talking about Aston Martins or your footy team to win. I'm speaking about those good or godly desires. What do you want? When you go back through through the Word of God, you see so many people who had great desires. For example, Abraham desired a son and he prayed for an heir. Rachel specifically cried out to Jacob, give me children or I die. Joseph desired that uh, he, he would save his family and that his bones would be taken back to Canaan. Moses desired a glimpse of God and he called out, now show me your glory. Joshua desired conquest and that he and his family would serve the Lord. Caleb at 84 knew what he wanted when he called out, give me this mountain. Samson knew what he wanted. His eyes plucked. Out, chained between two pillars, and he goes, Oh God, give me strength one more time. David said, One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Solomon asked that God would give him wisdom to lead the people. Elisha called out for a double portion of the anointing that was upon Elijah. The Shunammite woman went, went to Elisha and said, I want my dead son back. Esther desired that she would 
would have success when she went before the king. The sons of Korah cried out for the courts of the living God. Zechariah and Elizabeth desired a son. The repentance tax collector said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the list could go on and on and on. I ask you again, friends, today, what do you want? What is it that's stirring inside of you today that only God can do inside of your life? And we learn from that we are to be very specific in prayer. He said, Rabbi, I want to see. And that leads me to my third and final point here today. What can we learn from Bartimaeus about how to cultivate those good and godly desires? Thirdly, to express faith. To express faith with the desire that God has given us. In other words, when you ask, ask with believing faith. When you ask, ask with believing faith. I want you to, 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 to notice some things, and, and they'll, they'll be up here on the screen. Notice some things about Bartimaeus' faith. His faith was despite his condition and situation in life. In other words, he had faith despite all of the visible empirical evidence that was against him. Bartimaeus had a faith because he knew that Jesus could do the impossible, that the will of God overrides all of the human circumstances, and that if he had trust in him, something miraculous would happen. So I want to encourage you today. Maybe your loved one is a long way from Jesus and living a life that's like turning their back upon Jesus. I believe that Jesus is Savior. If he can save Saul of Tarsus and get him and arrest him on the road, road to Damascus, he can get hold of your loved one today and turn their life around. Maybe the prognosis in your life is not good and we love and appreciate doctors and, and all the training that, that they do. But what we realize today is there is a greater physician than even the most brilliant surgeon. And his name is Jesus. And with just one touch of his power, our body can be healed and turned around. I believe that today. Maybe your bank account is saying, oh, there isn't much in here at the moment, but I believe that God's favor can come upon us. He can enable us to do amazing things and provide for us. Doesn't matter what the evidence says. What matters is what has God said in his word. And the nature of God, the revelation of God that comes to us in his word. Bartimaeus' faith was in response to hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth who was passing by. Here he was on the side of the road where he always has been and he hears Jesus is passing by. Friends, can I remind you today that as we gather together, the Lord is here. He is risen from the dead and he is alive. He's present everywhere. He knows everything. He understands. He's been raised from the dead. He has healing in his hands and we can call upon his name and we have the authority to call upon his name and he is good and he is kind and he is loving and he is merciful and he is gracious and he's here by the power of, your, by the power of his spirit. Let us today, hearing that Jesus is here, let us call upon him today. Let us not succumb to what we're going through, but call upon him to see great and mighty things. Bartimaeus' faith was focused on Jesus, not on his own faith. He focused his faith on Jesus and who Jesus is. His faith was vocalized, was verbalized in prayer. It says he began to shout 
And I want to encourage you also, if you've got those desires in your heart, to, to vocalize, to express the, those prayers to Him out loud before Him. Lord, I need your divine intervention. His faith was not suppressed or quenched or crushed by the negative voices around Him. And there are some people, sadly, who believe it's their God-given gift to tell you every human reason why what you desire cannot come to pass. And there must come a time when we cut those voices off and say, Lord, I choose to listen to the voice of Scripture. I choose to listen to the voice of the Spirit that's speaking inside of me now. Let your faith align with, with the Word of God. Bartimaeus' faith was, was specific and it was filled with an expectation that God was going to do something in his life. So what, what was the result of Bartimaeus overcoming the barriers being specific in prayer and expressing faith. Verse number 52 tells us, Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Jesus touched this man. His life was completely revolutionized, all because he had faith in Jesus. This is what I believe. God wants to awaken a spirit of faith in this house because he wants to do miraculous things, miracles that will astound the skeptics, miracles that cannot be explained away with any scientific measurement. He wants this place to be a house of healing. He wants this house to be a house of deliverance. He wants this house to be a house of restoration. He wants this house to be a place where amazing things can happen. So I believe today this simple message is God's way of saying, get ready, begin to stir up your faith because something big is about to happen. So in conclusion today, everybody has desires. And for some people they are good and for godly, but for other people they are not so good. But what we've been focusing upon today are those good and godly desires. And looking at the example of Bartimaeus, we're asking, what can we learn from him that we can apply to our lives here today to stir up that sense of faith? Firstly, we saw we've got to overcome the barriers. Secondly, to be very specific in prayer, in the things that we are believing for. What is it that you really want? And thirdly, when, when you do ask, ask with an active, believing faith. That says, Lord, I need you, and I'm looking to you today to do something astonishing in, inside of my life. Let me just give you one last screen, and I'm done. Maybe you're asking today, well, how do I know that what I'm praying is in alignment with, with the will of God? And here's just a couple of thoughts about how we can know that what we're praying and desiring for is God's will. Firstly, if you've got a wrong desire, abort that thing. Every time you have something come into your head that's not of God, just get rid of that thing. Don't entertain it. Don't, don't let it germinate. Just get rid of that thing. Secondly, primarily desire God himself. The last time I was here, I think, or maybe the time before, I spoke about uh, having a heart after God. And I was talking about the big difference between seeking God's hand and seeking God's face. Most people only want God's hand. Oh, God, bless me, touch me, provide for me, heal me, and deliver me. But there's a whole other dimension to knowing God, and that's seeking God's face. When you primarily desire God, 
He begins to transform your desires. And yours begin to line up with His desires. Psalm 37 verse number 5 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Because it's more likely those desires will be in alignment with Him. Thirdly, desire the things prescribed in Scripture. Things like Christ-like character. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Desire God's will. Desire the spiritual gifts, etc. And on that basis, believe in the promises of Scripture. That if, for example, we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, all these things will be added to us as well. And when you do begin to pray and you do, do begin to believe, don't give up. Some people just pray one prayer at an altar. Oh, God, I pray for this and nothing happens that day. And they just, what, they just think, oh, that, that can't be God. But God's more concerned about what he does in you than what he gives to you. And he's looking for that perseverance in you. Don't give up. You know, that, that with the words of Jesus, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. You know, just keep pressing in there. Don't give up. Don't capitulate. Don't surrender. Revive those old prayers and begin to align with what, what you know to be the will and the purpose of God. Would you mind standing with me, please? Thank you. Sorry to wake you, but if you wouldn't mind standing for a moment. Just before I hand back to Pastor Joe, I just want to take a moment to pray with you and to pray for you. And at the end of the service, I'm going to hang around here the front before I have coffee. I'm going to hang around the front. And then the prayer team will be here as well. And I would love to pray with you, agree with you, pray with you about the thing that you are desiring. Maybe at the moment you're just burdened with that family member or with your health. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I want to stand with you and believe. I believe in the miraculous intervention of God. When you are in, in, the, uh, in a faith mission, you see miracles all the time. And I would rather have, I would rather have lots of money in the bank. That would be a lot easier. But it doesn't. But my faith is awakened every day. When we see things happening on the field and doors opened and, and people groups being reached, it's wonderful. What a way to live. So I believe that God's able to do these things. So I'd love to stand with you today also. But can I invite you to close your eyes for a moment, please? Picture Bartimaeus walking up to Jesus. Picture Jesus with his face full of compassion and mercy, asking him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Imagine Jesus asks you that question. What do you want me to do for you? So I just want you to think about your response. What is it you're believing for today? What is it that you need today? I believe the Lord is here to meet needs. Would you please, just quietly, just vocalize, verbalize what it is that you're believing for today, what it is that you want. Please just take a moment just to talk to the Lord. Lord, this is what I'm believing for and express it. Then I'll pray for you and hand back to Pastor Joe. faith here today 
allow me to pray with you about your need and request today. Jesus, our eyes are on you. We sometimes feel so frail and vulnerable and inadequate. But I thank you that you never give up on us, that your spirit lives within us. And Lord, through your word, you awaken and rebuild our faith. And today we are saying to you, Lord, we believe you. We trust you. We have a dependence upon you. And I'm calling out to you today that you would do, Lord, what only you can do. Only you could have opened the eyes of Bartimaeus. And so I call upon you for your intervention, for every person that is away from you today that is represented here, that you would miraculously intervene in their life and bring them home. I pray, Lord, today for those that need healing in their body. I pray in the name of Jesus, let affliction and disease be broken over people. I pray you would loose them, Lord, that your mighty healing power would surge through their body. That, Lord, today you would irradiate them with your resurrection power and make them whole. Let the pain go, Lord, let, let the, Lord, the uh, affliction go in the name of Jesus. I pray for those who need intervention in their life. That, Lord, you would intervene mightily in their workplace, in their circumstances, whatever it might be. I thank you, Lord, that you are a miracle, miracle-working God, and we trust you today. Come on, friends, let's thank Jesus for who he is. Let's thank him for what he's done. Blessed be your name.